Madden Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. The year is 3013. The galaxy is scintillating in the mellow light. Two galactic pilgrims seek out vistas in the samurai future to bring forth the unity of the cosmic shaman. Opening the door of the pantheon of mystics, the evil sorcerer wizard powers the engine of science, seeking to forever alter the sacred balance, traveling on effervescent balls of summer fire. This week, The Animatrix. Here we go. In the year 2021, The Matrix is back. And today's kind of the back of the matrix, the, the yeah. unseen, not unseen, but lesser seen. I mean, you got to you got to be geek enough to buy like the DVD or the Blu-ray set usually to have gotten in today's film, The Animatrix. Uh, this is Luke. Hi, this is Matt. It's Welcome a sci-fi, sci-fi sanctuary. 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 <laughs> I was I was kind of doing a drunken Connery, so it wasn't the same. Sanctuary. <laughs> <laughs> And because today we're doing an anime, is it our first time we're doing an anime? Let's see, Dark Knight does not count. Uh... Yeah, I think. I mean, we did that Digimon episode for your other podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. that's crossing wow. the stream a bit. We've been podcasting in Japan for two years. We're doing our first anime. <laughs> We've done two proper Godzilla films. Yeah, so okay. I brought in the biggest weeb I know. It's James J. Moyles. <laughs> That's a claim to fame if I've ever heard one. <laughs> How's it going? Oh, well, I just poured coffee all over myself, so not great. Mm. I like missed my mouth. That's interesting. <laughs> you have a drinking problem. Yep. Mm. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> anyway, the Animatrix. Um, yeah, I guess I would have seen it sometime. I don't remember when I saw this first. I guess, um, well, I don't know about in America, but in the UK, um, Last Flight of the Osiris aired on TV. I know, I, maybe they put it before a movie, like as a uh, Ultra trailer. You know, it was like States. during the hype train up to Matrix Reloaded, it was like a big event that they're showing this short Matrix film on TV. So right. I like sitting down with my family to watch that one. Um, and yeah. then I think as soon as the DVD came out, we picked it up and maybe we watched it like over a series of nights. I think I had seen all of the Animatrix before I saw Matrix Reloaded. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I think the era when I, I don't think I watched this sober the first time. Let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> but I, I mean, I don't know if it's a spoiler, but I, I felt like I forgot half the sequences. And I was like, oh, maybe I didn't watch them. But then, like, I watched some of the sequences like three nights ago and forgot them by the next day. And had to go on wiki to remind myself what they were about. Even I had my notes, right? I'm like, what am I talking about? I don't remember what this is about at all. So um, some of them I remember very well. So, you know, there, there is a spectrum of um, memorability here, I suppose. There are quite a few I did remember. And watching it last night, 
the hit rate is higher than I remembered. Yeah, I mean, nothing is, I guess, at, at worst, it's like bland and there's pretty colors to look at while it's being bland. So <laughs> um, that's, that's the worst. Of it. I mean, nothing really like craps the bed or anything. I'm just, uh, yeah, some of it's not as memorable as others. So mm. Mm. I don't know. Uh, Jay, what was your experience? You said you just watched this the first time, was it? Yeah. So it was my first uh, exposure to, to that. I obviously heard of it Um. Uh, in the wider scheme of things here, but my first actual watch through of the Animatrix was just last week. Um, when when uh, Luke asked me to 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 guess on this podcast, um, I'd seen the the, the trilogy a couple of times, but um, yeah, um, never actually ended up watching the Animatrix until till last week. But um, I think it's especially um, the final flight of the Cyrus. I think. A lot of the Animatrix is, all, all, I don't want to say essential viewing because it isn't, but very important if you want to properly appre- appreciate the, the the two Matrix sequels, I feel. Mm. And I guess we'll get a little more into that because yeah. uh, there's certainly some agreeance there and I guess we'll get into the reasons why. But um, yeah, for our listeners who like our nice standard format, we're chucking it out the window today. So... <laughs> I guess we're just gonna roll through these things uh, one, one by, by one. one. Yeah, sounds sounds mm. sounds dull when I say it that way, but I, I think it'll be more interesting than that. So, oh geez, I was hoping that I the Wikipedia would just have like a nice one sentence summary for each one, but it's got like it's got <laughs> it's like plot summer. summaries that are just <laughs> as long as they have for films. <laughs> yeah. So the arc, so the architect wrote it basically. Yeah, I guess we're just gonna have to wing our own summaries for each one. That's fine. <laughs> um, so. I don't know. How about that final flight of the Osiris, Osiris, Osiris? Hover ship, the Osiris, detects the thousands of sentinels. And so as they fight their way away from them, one member of the crew hops into the Matrix to drop a message for the other ships. Oh, that keeps it nice and simple. You left out the sexy fight. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that from when I was 12, let me assure you. (laughs) So um, I I, definitely know I didn't remember the sexy sword fight, to be honest. I, I w- maybe I've seen the Enter the Matrix stuff because, yeah, I felt like I was supposed to be watching. Um, what's her name? Ayabi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe you just you just got this in Enter the Matrix. The wires got crossed in your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the zeros and ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this leads into. I was reading this on Wikipedia when I was doing some some research into the Animatrix. This leads into uh, the Matrix, right? Like the the package they leave in uh, to, to obviously warn everyone about the Sentinels coming as the, the lead into the game, right? Oh, yeah. And then right then in, in Matrix Reloaded, they talk about the message from the Osiris. Mm-hmm. That's right. But yeah, this is this one bro- is almost a prologue to the film. 
I was going to say, this is the Rogue One of the Matrix, I guess. Yeah, yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, this, as a story, it's extremely slim. But at the time, this was like, whoa, the most groundbreaking CG you've ever seen. It looks real. <laughs> like, Why not just film some actors? Because they do yeah. get the they do get the Clone Wars cheat where like all the ship scenes, you know, actually look exactly like the proper movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, well, they could have just filmed some people on a on the set and made it like I don't know. Yeah, I, I yeah, they did was... this for the purpose of seeing if they could do it, right? It's right. I'm just saying, like, as far as you know, it's 20 years later almost. So the way it might well, I remember like... I remember going to see Shrek with my dad at the cinema. And we were walking out and he says, in 10 years, they won't even need actors. And I remember at the time, and I'm like 10, thinking, yeah, but it will still be cheaper to film actors. <laughs> <laughs> Although we uh, barely need actors now. I mean, we don't really have, I mean, who's the big movie star now? There's not really a, we talked about when we did What Dreams May Come, because I went rock. to see that because it was yeah, a Robin Williams film. You go and you know? see a rock film because it's the rock. Yeah, but even then, it's, I don't know, maybe it's because I don't, you know, live in a Western nation anymore and there's not like the buzz on the street or whatever, but yeah, but, you know, or dramatic actors. I mean, people would actually, I mean, I don't know why Richard Gere is the first person that came off my head, but people would go see a movie because of him. Like, I, for me, it's always been more directors, I guess. So, right. but yeah, yeah. The, the, I mean, the, I've, only, I've never had that. I've only ever had that for action stars. Like, I'll go and see a channel or a Schwarzenegger. So, okay. I, I I went to movies like an art dork in high school and uh university, I guess. So but yeah, I, I get your point, which is it's not actors that sell films these days, it's brands. Yeah, so there is a touch of that. But um yeah, obviously this is, you know, I, I guess this is two years after the uh, Final Fantasy film. Yes, because this is by Square. So, right. Without um, an Enix. Yeah, they, I don't think they joined Enix yet. Okay. Uh, it was actually the this finish within that that caused <laughs> to have to join Enix because it, it did not do very well. Yep. Um, but the director of this one, um, he's mostly just an effects guy, and he's like an Oscar winner in that department. Um, he did effects on like The Lion King and Jungle Book remakes, on Avatar, um, on a bunch of huge shit. iRobot. So this was his calling card, basically. Yeah, so he's okay. just a CGI super dude. Right. Okay. Um, There's the only, you know, I didn't write that many notes for this, but I did. There was a scene where I, I was like, if you need to describe Akihabara to a foreigner, this this one should do it, which I guess is the, the chase inside the Matrix City. Hmm. I don't remember getting Akihabara vibes from it. Yeah, well, no, I, I specifically wrote if you need to describe it to a foreigner, right? Because if right. you just try and go like straight up, you're like, "Where's the panty machine?" Right? So, <laughs> <laughs> which, which I don't, it does not currently exist. Although there are some pretty whack machines in Akihabara, especially for bizarre capsule things. Um, yeah, yeah, you mentioned the 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 random sex toy machine one. So, <laughs> yeah, 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 black <laughs> anonymous sex capsules, but. I got a thong and my girlfriend got a statue of the Buddha. I think I've told the same story on like yeah. all, of, all of my podcasts at this point. So. And did I say sex capsule would make a great name for a new wave band? 
Probably. Usually okay. everything will make a great name for a band. Yeah. I, you know, I don't I, I don't band as much as other people do, right? So no, that's true. I'd bring it up every 15 episodes. You know, some some people bring it up like every episode. So some people that's their only joke, yeah. Yeah. So I'll own it when I get to one, right? <laughs> and that's one to own it with. So Yeah. I feel like the only reason people ever talked about Final Flight of the Osiris was the CG. And now that we're like 10, 20 years out, that's not something to talk about anymore. Yeah, it's just standard Matrix stuff, basically. And we're, we're basically used to seeing this kind of CG. So it is well, I mean, groundbreaking. But I was yeah. watching it like, I wonder how it's going to hold up. And now it's like, uh, if I saw this at the start of the PS4 game, I'd actually think it looked cheap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So... It, yeah. You know, I, I did write, I feel like I'm playing Tekken in, in the first scene. I mean, sexy Tekken, I guess. Well, did Tekken get sexy? Play Dead or Alive. Oh, dead right, alive. right. There we go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I only played that a little bit. I feel like I played it on an Xbox and got bored or something. I, I don't even know if I've actually ever played one. I'm just aware of them. Okay. I barely played one. They brought that one, did get that one, got a film as well. And it was basically just softcore porn. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's, yeah. at least they owned it, you know, because we talk about the adaptations that don't hit the mark. So that, you know, at least hits the mark, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about the second renaissance. Okay, th this is the one that sticks in your mind. This is basically the uh, the prequel to The Matrix that was not made, condensed into movie form, where we see the rise of the robots being used in restaurants, um, things like that, you know, cute robots, all of those sorts of things. But the humans and the robots start to come to odds, cute robots massacring humans, and they all move to the city of... I didn't write it down. Zero one. Zero Thank one. you. Yeah. Zero one. Zero one's economy quickly begins outstripping the humans, and the humans decide to go completely ape shit to battle the robots, blackening the sky. The robots eventually giving a uh, death knell human race the final opportunity to enter the Matrix. So Which this is the one that really stuck in my head like mm -hmm. for the past 20 years i closed my eyes and she see shit from this film um because it fucked my brain up That's yeah this like, one is essential i mean yeah <laughs> yeah like essential viewing just like as art made by the human race <laughs> yeah yeah i, I yeah. think this is the best bit of the matrix <laughs> <laughs> i i I'd agree with you. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's you do want to go with like a cool subway fight in the end or something, but it's it's, like, it's quite essential. Like um, I've talked before about how I love War of the Worlds, and the imagery of that in this of just the huge machines, completely alien, absolutely unstoppable, just tearing few humans, is like the best version of War of the Worlds I've ever seen on screen. 
yeah is there um well no i put when they're putting on the robot of course we see all the humans getting thrown into a pit in the uh part two part one has them tossing all the the robots in the pit which yeah. made me wonder if we did something horrible when we buried well, all those et video game cartridges the actual like plot of this the humans are 100 percent in the wrong all the way through yeah <laughs> like the, the I remember in the first film, Morpheus is like, oh, no one knows who started it. It's like if we started it, we were the bad guys. Granted, it's it is the machine history, right? So they are yeah, obviously of course. going it to. Yeah, it is definitely like propaganda. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm very willing to believe that we were the bad guys, and the machines were just trying to be nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I, think, I guess. Go ahead. Like there's there's like parts that like that really stick out to me that really they really paint humanity as 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 you were saying look the bad guys like there's there's one scene that that I, I still think I'm still thinking about even like a week on after watching it which is the the part where like the robots in disguise as a woman and she gets like beat up and like the the, the skin ripped off her and it's just harrowing and it makes you sim- like even though you've you've seen a film or two films of of the you know the robots enslaving the human race and and everything that comes with that you f- you feel so sympathetic towards the plight of these machines just for through through moments like that as you said this is like the most essential part of this this animatrix collection in my opinion and that scene makes a lot of sense when you think about what the matrix is actually about in that the trilogy is a trans allegory and that's a scene of a woman getting attacked in the street because mm. people don't believe she's a woman yeah um, and yeah that scene stuck with me for 20 years it's it's just it's that scene and there's the bit in the second half where the guy gets ripped out of his robot yeah and i think what sticks with me about both of those scenes is it just it lingers on the reaction like it's not just like a quick gory death it's this person screaming for help and not getting it mm-hmm. and you really feel for them in both scenes so yeah this is horrifying shit I, I think this gave me nightmares as a kid meanwhile my whitewashing mind the first image i think of is the uh of course they get ripped apart as well but the uh, robot couple at the un right. the top hat and stuff for some reason that's the first image that comes to mind which i guess is better than you know people and robots being ripped apart but (laughs) almost every image in this is burned into my mind it's really memorable it's so counter to like especially the first film which is is you know it's an action film it's it's despite the you know the 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 themes and everything as you were saying there look if you look at it on a superficial level for the especially the first film it is a light-hearted action film in a lot of ways and then you have the this 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 uh, the second renaissance which is um so heavy just in terms of like the, the what what's portrayed on on the screen like these atrocities that you see it, it's so counter to the the tone of the of the first movie in a lot of ways it's 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 so striking as a result of that yeah because the first movie basically it's the good guy wins because he's better at kung fu like, <laughs> yeah. If you don't really pay attention, that's how probably most of the audience came out of it. Like, oh, that was a cool action film, and he kicked the bad death at the end. Cool. And then, like, the next thing you see is this, and then you... Yeah, it is quite a turnaround, and then you're into Matrix Reloaded, where 
instead of ending on a fight scene, it ends on like a philosophical diatribe. <laughs> <laughs> They're pre- preparing you for it, I guess. And uh, yep. yeah, we do. We do see the human race like fully commit to Hugo Boss fashion designs by the end of part two. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, just I mean, I am like, OK, I guess it's kind of propaganda because they're just, you know, with the show, the later UN cheering and stuff, um, cheering for burning the sky, which. Yeah. I don't know. There, there, there are people that we want to punch in the face that are currently like, hey, let's blot out the sun. Some, you know, <laughs> going with actual Mr. Burns, you know, um, strategies. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not really I don't know. I like my son. <laughs> so this one was directed by Mihiro Maeda, who mostly is not a director. Uh, he's usually just an artist and concept art guy. But he created some of the angels in Evangelion. He created Shin Godzilla. He did designs for Mad Max Fury Road. He's done designs for various like kaiju movies. And this guy just makes sick shit. <laughs> so you're saying he has a career, basically. He has a career in making exactly my shit. So... <laughs> no wonder this one stuck with me because, yeah, everything he's made has stuck in my head. He makes your actual feces? Yeah. Okay. So he shows up a couple times a day. I mean, I could say that about the Colonel, right? Yeah. Colonel Sanders. <laughs> he makes most of my shit. The ghost of Colonel Sanders materializes in his apartment at five every morning. Did you send to me or did I send to you the meme that was like, if you eat a burger and fart, that's the ghost of the cow? Who are you talking to? Me? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I even remember that to be honest, but okay. sure. <laughs> so neither, I think you I sent it to B. me. And then I sent it to Matty, and Matty was just like, no, nah, that's not my humor. <laughs> <laughs> but now you're going to think about it. Did its job, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, we do have several stories to plonk through. We might refer to this one again, obviously, but uh, you got a big hit other than this is the, your subconscious put out into um, animated form. Well, we talked before about it was meant to be Matrix with one prequel, one sequel. And although I, that would have meant a tighter sequel and maybe more time on this, I bet the live-action Hollywood version would not have been as cool as this animated version. Yeah, I'm I don't think we've taken as many risks, to be mm-hmm. honest. Yeah, I'm perfectly satisfied with this version. I, I think it, the, the animations are nice. Like, unlike Osiris, where you're like, man, this, they might as well just film some of this. This one is like, okay, yeah, this this belongs in this format. I don't feel like let down by it, you know? Hmm. And one thing I really dig is at the start of the film, when the machines were made by the humans and shortly after they're very humanoid. Mm -hmm. And as they have more and more time to develop independently of the humans, they just become insectoid or built for purpose. They no longer care about aesthetics. So you just end up with fucking pyramids with tentacles and, big beetle things and shit. And I really like that evolution. Um, and then also, I, I guess I'll go to the next one for now, which is a kid's story, which is a little more, I guess, ham-fisted. Um, so I don't know. Do you want to describe this one?
so this is a story about a kid who discovers Neo the same way Neo discovered Morpheus and actually manages to free himself from the Matrix by jumping off the roof of his school. Hmm. Now, <laughs> this, if there was one of these films that I wish we had Tilly here for, it's this one. Because I feel like this one is a part of the whole metaphor, right? Right. And I don't quite know how to take this because it kind of feels like it's talking about teen suicide, but in a weirdly positive way. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the part that I don't know. I mean, again, most people that are going to bother watching the Animatrix, th they can get a little more, I guess, risky because it's not like everyone's watching this, you know? Yeah. It's definitely a, more of a niche audience that's into this one, so. But, I mean, obviously, like, I know um, people who are, like, no one is at higher risk of suicide than a trans person, right? So mm. I feel like this is trying to tell me something. But I almost get the message that it's saying, like, hey, you know, if life's no good, suicide's a way out. And I'm sure that's not what it was trying to say. <laughs> but that is yes. kind of how it comes across. <laughs> yeah, it's like you don't want people trying to go to the Matrix that way. Unless, yeah, unless they're in this short film. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, no, it kept making me, I kept thinking of the, uh, if you want to go metaphor, there's, there's a David Cross sketch from like 20 years ago where he's talking about, you know, it's not like a choice. It's not like people are like, Huh, my friends hate me. My parents are worried about me. And life's not so good. I think I'll be gay. You know, it's not like you don't yeah. do that, you know? The um, I thought you were going to say the David Cross story this reminds you, David Cross scratch this reminds you of is the um, the kid who copied the band. Oh, God. <laughs> no, that's not. Oh, try, try again. Yeah, head first this time. Right. There's um. <laughs> Matt showed me a sketch from a uh, like Show. David Cross and Bob Odenkirk, Mr. Show, where they go to visit some. It's this like death metal rock band. They go and visit some kid in hospital uh, because he tried to commit suicide because he listened to their song "Attempt Suicide," <laughs> <laughs> and then they make all these promises about he can follow them on gigs and stuff and come backstage, and then they realize that his body is just burned to this little pepperami <laughs> and they're like shit we can't have this kid backstage we'll we'll never get laid again so then they put out their next song attempt suicide again head first this time <laughs> yeah yeah I, I guess we could i guess we could reference that but um i'm gonna go with my first reference for david cross yeah. there <laughs> the, the one i meant to make not the one that we're now talking about yeah, yeah it is um this one is it's definitely one that I'm still thinking about. I just don't know if I quite figured it out yet. Mm. The one that I mean they act they shoehorn the kid into the sequels. Mm. Almost like well, and I think he ended up having a huge role in Matrix Online. Okay. Well he had a pretty big role, I guess, in the third one because he, he, he was saves they the doc. needed they needed someone there to show like the people who believe in Neo in Zion, right? Yeah. 
he was there, I guess, just to be the opposite of like Locke and people like him. Right. Like, right. He like... did. He did have a role in the films. It's not like he was just there to plug the Animatrix or something. Yeah. Sorry, Sorry. you started to say something, Jay. I was going to say he had this like kind of big hero moment, I suppose, if I want to say that in the third one as well, where he was running about reloading the guns and so on and so forth as well. Well, then that had a callback to this, because at the end when he finally shoots the gate and opens it, uh, he says, like, Neo, I believe, mm. which is what he says right before he jumps in this one. Right. So the power of belief. Yeah, I guess the, the big bugaboo is just... Uh jumping off the roof at the end so <laughs> the um the visuals in this one it seems like it's rotoscoped from the actor and it really made me think of hotel dusk on the nintendo ds i don't Just think like, i got to that one is that that's uh, not an rpg is it no it's like a detective game but it's the characters are all like very hand-drawn, exaggerated animations, and then they freeze in place. Okay. It looks like um, the Take On Me video. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, sure. right. I just want to make sure I can continue to brag my claim of having knowledge of all the RPGs on a DS. Yeah, it doesn't count as <laughs> an RPG. You're all good. Okay. <laughs> um, next one, Pogrom. I mean, Program. Um, that is a so mind bleepery. I somehow I like calling it that, even though we don't bleep ourselves on this podcast. But uh, <laughs> uh, is a, a lady being tested in the virtual computer space of <clears throat> of one of the ships in the real world, uh, being given a test where she is shown her lover saying, "Let's go back to the Matrix and what she will do in that opportunity." Uh, she does not go along with them, thereby passing the test, but she fails it a little bit in the end by punching her captain in the face. Uh, yeah, that's all whatever. You forgot the important part about this, which is it's sick as fuck samurai fights. <laughs> okay, yeah, there's. Um, I was going with story. That's, uh, yeah, you but know, no one gives a shit about the story. It's so weird to do that. <laughs> my summary would have been two samurai have a dope as fuck fight on top of horses and then in a temple, and then on the roof of a castle. And at the end, she catches his sword, snaps it in half, and stabs him in the throat. <laughs> okay, that's cool. I'm going to be straight up. I don't know why, but this is the one where I literally, I, even though I watched it the day before, I had to like go back and read the wiki to see what it was about. I guess I did just see Samurais. So yeah. <laughs> so I was like proud of myself for being able to rattle off the uh, story. So <laughs> I wonder if the... Um they instituted this test after the events of the first film. Oh, they want another um, Cypher, is it? Oh, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. in, in the film, Trinity is like, Cypher, you can't go back to the Matrix. You're insane. And now they're like, oh, shit, the machines will actually offer you that. We better start testing people for this. The entirety <laughs> of the Matrix movies were simply a simulated test. Yeah. Maybe that's what the fourth one's going to tell us. I don't know. <laughs> Well, back when the Wachowskis weren't involved, I think that is something they were talking about doing a fourth sequel set in a world where the other movies exist. Yeah, that's what I heard. Is that not the deal anymore? I don't that's... think so. That wasn't in any of the trailers. Okay. It's rumored it's rumored to be uh well not it, people are speculating rather that that's what they're gonna go with. I know we're kind of going off track from the Animatrix, but in the trailer for uh Resurrections, there's um 
you see the a scene from the Matrix being um, projected onto a wall, and um, somebody like an eagle-eyed um, person on Twitter or Reddit or something spotted in the office of uh, one of the characters. There's like a little bust of Smith getting his like face punched and like distorted oh. by Neil. <laughs> So people reckon that maybe what they're going for. Maybe that is what they're going for then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry if I spoiled the movie I haven't seen yet. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we do now, right? I mean, yeah. like that's not out yet. Yeah. Um, I love when people accuse me of spoiling something when I speculate. <laughs> I've had that before. And I'm like, it's not a spoiler because I could be wrong. <laughs> it's like the many <laughs> endings of Lost. Yeah. The best, the best rap of that was a dream I had, by the way. that that wrapped up lost perfectly but uh um program i did feel like there's a few where the writing is a little slipshod and yeah i just was like this doesn't have like a great script i mean i guess because they're showing us you know samurais and swords yeah yeah, this one's not about the script (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna put some of the blame towards the (laughs) the lead voice actress on this one um (laughs) who also turns up again in one of the later sequences um she's the voice actress for yuna in final fantasy 10 and i i I don't know whether it's just because of how final fantasy 10's um dub went and you know all all of the (laughs) the controversy and 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 how it wasn't very well received but i just can't disassociate her voice actress from that game and it carries a stink <laughs> wherever <laughs> it goes. Um, I, don't, I don't rate her as a voice actress at all. And that might be kind of playing into the writing of this uh, of program as well. Um, I only, we'll come back to that again later, I suppose. As well. I, I, I only know Final Fantasies that were on the DS. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're not missing much from a, from a writing perspective, from then, <laughs> shall we say. Right. Um, is this the one that's uh, produced by Madhouse? There are a couple that are produced by Madhouse. Um, I think this is one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this they one have, uh, and different. World Record. Mm. Yeah, and um, the other voice actor in this one is Vamp from Metal Gear. Yes. <laughs> Another very... Uh... Fantastic! Another fantastic voice role, but unironically so. This thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I was hearing him, I would, my first thought was Metal Gear, but I assumed I assumed he was like the Colonel or someone. I didn't remember him being Vamp because I don't remember Vamp having such a manly voice. Yeah, 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 that's above my pay grade. So I'm just the guy like, oh, I, I people were talking in this in this short film. So, um, but yeah, Jay brings up Madhouse, who did um, One Punch Man. So these guys and are Death just... Note as well, I think. Ah, okay. So yeah, two of anime that I'm really into, and yeah, these guys are just good at very good action animation. And that's what Which, we get: action yeah. animation, basically. <laughs> uh, and I think they did a bunch of like, particularly ninja and samurai and stuff based anime as well. So it makes sense they gave them this this one because yeah that's just mm. what they're good at well being as the story is a little thin shall we roll on into world record which is the the other one they did yeah 
this one looks like a music video. <laughs> um, yeah. So this is the story of a 100 meter dash runner who manages to push his body so far to the extreme that he is able to free his mind from the matrix. I see it's interesting that you're saying it looks like that because what really got what it looked like to me, maybe this is too early 90s comic book stuff, but uh, some of the Matt Wagner's stuff. Uh, remind me what he drew. Um, Grendel, he did... Uh, he did a Batman story I really like, um, which was uh, Masks. Or it was a Two-Face story. but um, I, I yeah. do sort of remember his name, but I can't remember. He mostly was doing more like indie. Stuff. Yeah, like Grendel was super indie comic, right? So I, I, I dabbled with the, um, like he was more of the comic auteur guy, right? So I think I just his... remember his voice, his name coming up when people want to sound like they know about cool comic books. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> the art style in here sort of reminded me of that. So yeah, <laughs> um, it's extremely nineties. Well, it starts well, off with a uh, triumph of the will stadium, <laughs> but just like graffiti style characters and stuff. Right, right. I mean, um, you know, an anatomy doesn't make a whole lot of sense in this one, um, mm. especially though. I, I don't know. I guess when you're running at a thirty three or something kilometers an hour maybe thing not not normal things do happen to your leg but yeah <laughs> i mean you've seen how ridiculous the anatomy is on my legs so <laughs> <laughs> right so um may maybe it works okay but uh yeah I, I was like as far as enlightenment experiences go his kind of blows because he gets uh he gets a machine in the face in the real world and then his leg explodes and yeah <laughs> yeah um, but the, I, li I like this as just, hey, being like a huge computer geek is not the only route to enlightenment was kind of nice. But this this is definitely the uh, crystal meth of uh, Matrix enlightenment. <laughs> just it's not. I mean, you know, we talk about how you know, Neo or Trinity are coming out of the Matrix. And what, what, yeah, again, what Cypher says, life kind of blows in the real world. Right. So, yeah. Um, this guy doesn't even get that. He just gets to be in a uh, hospital inside the Matrix. <laughs> and uh, with his memory wipe, they do mention that as well. So mm. I, I guess he still has it or whatever. Uh, it, it ends a little bit ambiguous, I suppose. Mm. But, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's a memorable, like, single idea. But, like, the act, the overall story, and the beat to beat of it is all pretty forgettable. Yeah, well, I, I, I just remember that one moment of he runs so hard he sees it. Right. Well, at least it justifies it being a short film. So yeah, <laughs> it gave me um, it reminded me a lot of uh, just fully leaning into my my wee persona that you set up for me here, Luke. But it's set ready for uh, another anime that I've watched called Run Run with the Wind, which is mm -hmm. uh, a 
um, about running. And there's a moment in that show where the the main character is um, he's a long distance runner, and there's a period where he's he's running and he's he's he's, he's running quicker at a quicker pace than he's ever run before. And they have the the animators kind of show him almost entering this sort of, like sort of flow state where everything else around him is 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 like kind of gets blacked out and he just sees like the road ahead of him and like the colors get really really saturated and I suppose in a way he kind of reaches that sort of enlightenment heightened state of mind which is what happens in in world record so it kind of gave me vibes of of, of that in a way. And that is something which is a big thing in Japanese philosophy, right? Is as well as like meditation and studying Buddhist sutras, another path to enlightenment was just like training in the mountains under a waterfall or whatever. Mm. That's why Zen Buddhism was so popular with samurai because it's about emptying your mind of everything and just doing your thing that you've got to do. Whether that was studying all day or whether that was studying the blade. The movie? Yeah, 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 they were all huge Wesley Snipes fans back in feudal <laughs> Japan. <laughs> Let, let's get enlightened. Let's go beyond. That's the next film. Um, that one has a, a lady in Tokyo who goes off looking for her cat, uh, ends up with a couple kids, and they, they find the cat in a, a haunted house, an abandoned building that has glitches aplenty. Uh, the agents have to send in their has version of a hazmat truck to reprogram the area into a simple parking lot, whereas the lady in the end forgets she even had a cat and finds a new hobby by simply bleeding them to the ground. So a lot of these, I've been saying they feel like very 90s anime. This is the one that feels the most like sort of a 2000s or 2010s anime. I did have to go searching and I turned out to be wrong because I was like, hey, is this the same people involved with the Digimon adventure? Same. I remember thinking that as a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh. I don't know about that. It is um, some people who worked a lot on Ghibli stuff, though. Hmm. What had, yeah, I guess it's those photorealistic back, not, in, not quite photorealistic, but very accurate backgrounds. Let's call them accurate backgrounds. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it had. Digimon has that same feel of being set in Tokyo, but weird digital stuff is happening. And they do draw their characters in a really similar way. But I've never been able to find any evidence that anyone involved in this was also involved in Digimon. Yeah, I took a five-minute break to look last night. So <laughs> I thought that since the 90s. So I'm glad that you had the same thought. Okay. Um, that or when she first gets in the house, I, I wrote, oh, shit, now she's in Kingdom Hearts uh, Recoded. <laughs> Also being the only Kingdom Hearts I played because that was one on the DS. <laughs> I've, my, my gaming is like entirely centered around my DS experiences 10 to 15 years ago. <laughs> and like the uh, Atari 2600 10 years before that. Oh, right. Yeah, that, that was like 2003 when that happened. So I played one when I was a kid. So I played it when you're supposed to be doing that as well. But... <laughs> I never own that system, though, so I feel like I can't claim it. Okay. Um, Jay, one... this is the other one with Hedy Barres as the lead voice actress, right? That's right. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, and again, there was points in this where it really reminded me of uh, her performance in 
uh, Final Fantasy X. And Final Fantasy X had this problem where they didn't, um, and modern games don't have this problem now, but for Final Fantasy X on the PS2, the lip syncing was done to the Japanese audio. So when they sent off the sent it off to the English uh, recording, some of the lines they had to do at a really awkward pace, like to speak the like their lines really really quickly at points, and and it just did, didn't land well at all. And there are points in, in in this, and I don't know whether it's just again my brain is just associating Eddie Barres with Yuna from Final Fantasy Ten. But there are points in this where I'm sh- I swear she did the same thing. <laughs> Maybe it's just how she voice acts. Well, this, I don't know. This was definitely made English first. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which is why it doesn't make sense that this, she would do that. And maybe it's just my mind making some strange connection here. The main problem I had with the voice acting in this one, it was just full of adult women playing children. <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, honestly, I re- more than any of the other ones, this is the one where they probably should have made it in Japanese and just made you read the subtitles. Oh, yeah, I, that actually probably would have been great. Because um, I really like the visuals in this one. Mm. Again, because it is just some like weird, lighthearted, ethereal, slightly melancholy Ghibli shit, right? So, of course, it's great. I mean, it might have been cool. Oh. Maybe they have like the the agents, you know, speaking English, and then mm. the characters are speaking Japanese. That could have been kind of cool, I guess. Um, another thing that often makes anime and game voice acting difficult, Jay, is you can say a lot more in a lot fewer words in mm-hmm. Japanese. So mm-hmm. often they have to fit in like these long explanations where in Japanese it was like three words. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I last year I was watching episodes of um, Detective Conan with kids. And like that show is watched by pretty young kids in Japan. But the level of English involved is really high because <laughs> they're just they're smashing out these like complex detective sentences hyper speed to try and fit it in episode runtime. <laughs> yeah, I had this is when I had adult students. I had one like, oh, I want to study English. I'm going to watch Miyazaki films in English. I was like, no, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you watch Miyazaki in Japanese and choose something else if you want to study English. Because <laughs> uh, I, like I say, you know, I love Totoro and Totoro becomes a bad movie when you watch the English stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's no longer good. <laughs> I still like Hal's Moving Castle in English because I saw it in English the first time. But most of the others I just watched in Japanese. I saw, yeah, I saw Sudden Nachihiro in the movie theater, so I would have seen it in English the first time. But again, I would not watch that in English now. I won't even use the English name for it, which I have to, don't I? Spirited away. Okay. <laughs> I, I know because I know. I know you know, but I think <laughs> some listeners are like, what's Sudden Nachihiro? You know what it is. It's Spirited Away, and you should watch yeah. it in Japanese. <laughs> Subtitles, if you want. <laughs> no, when oh, I see Miyazaki, coward. learn Japanese. Well, when I see him, <laughs> I I haven't seen a Miyazaki film with an English subtitle for ten years plus. <laughs> oh, you, you know that like all the DVDs you buy in Japan just have the subtitles. I, I usually see them on TV or something. So. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> same, same these days. But um, I I've seen depressingly little Ghibli for a guy who lives in Japan. So I keep thinking I should go down to like the book off and buy up those DVDs, but but they don't the, actually go down in price that much. <laughs> yeah, the the biggest plus here, like you said, is it actually does look like uh, I guess I'm going to say a Tokyo suburb. Keeping in mind the Tokyo suburbs are just stuck between giant clumps of city, but uh, yeah, 
it, it does. I mean, if you watch this, you have experienced what that looks like. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Like in a way, even more in a live action film, because they go out of their way to put the drink machine, you know, and all of that sort of stuff. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I love those animes that just really carefully recreate like boring minutiae of Japan. And you have like, here's a little cup noodle machine. Here's a little, here's one of the traffic lights with its little song. Like that, if I ever did have to move back to the UK, watching that shit would just destroy me. <laughs> that, that song, um, actually, uh, Luke, you might've heard this cause I know I've used it in our podcast, but, uh, I, I actually as a, my friend Scott was just going around with a big tape recorder and just recording stuff. So that exact song is in one of my songs as a found sound. <laughs> uh, that song plays at the, the zebra crossing at, um, Zenkoji. Oh yeah. 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 So, um, Anyway, yeah, you know, that's very accurate. That's where I'm like, man, they should have just done it in Japanese and, you know, done it, done it full blow. I was also thinking this lady now would be like, I guess she'd be like my age. So now she'd be like 42 or something, hmm. which is kind of a weird thought as you <laughs> see Starface running around in this film. <laughs> The next one is the detective story and 95% black and white and 2% mint green, where we have a hard-boiled film noir detective um, tasked to track down Trinity. Um, he starts to realize that everyone who goes after Trinity dies, disappears, or goes crazy. Um, he finds her on a train and... His choice is is death as he's taken over by an agent. Uh, Trinity just blows him away. So, because uh, she has to, because Trinity will shoot you if she needs to. <laughs> she doesn't quite just blow him away though. She pops him in the side so he has time to die a cool death fighting the agents. That's that's right. But definitely, yeah. she is and dispatching him. Yeah, it's it's not like the uh, um, the the shot to the face like we get in um. Oh, I'm doing the Twilight Zones and spoiler for the episode of The Lonely, but there's a wonderful getting shot in the face there. <laughs> so when you put all the Animatrixes together, it's quite long. It's like an hour and 40 minutes of stuff. Yeah. It's a full length anthology movie. And I've usually watched it as a full anthology, not as individual films. So I think this is the first last night was the first time I watched this one and I wasn't falling asleep. <laughs> That might be same for me. Why I don't remember some of these later ones. <laughs> so I I remember this existing, and I remember vague moments of it. But until last night, I don't think I just watched it like in its entirety awake. I mean, this is, is like just, a it's like a ninety CD where uh, you know like um, a ninety CD where you got the two hits being the second Renaissance, and then you got the rest of the album. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sorry, Jay. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, is is it you, you falling asleep, Luke? Because just because it's falling towards the end of the anthology, or because you were bored? Um, well, I really like Beyond, but then I think it's the sudden cut to a black and white noir thing. Mm. Which, if you're in the mood for, I want colorful robot action, and then it's <laughs> like, here's a really dry, like, 
um, 30s detective homage. <laughs> well, this guy has to be like a, a solid geek because he's clearly in the, you know, like the Matrix, you know, Trinity's there. So he had to like go get all his steampunk computer well, I, gear made like I, bespoke. Yeah, I love that he has a typewriter computer. I want one. It's but like he, when we were watching that, um, the final cut, the Robin Williams film, and he has that wooden computer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I would, I would really dig a typewriter keyboard for my computer. No, it was cool. Good. We just, we know this, this is the world where um, Mr. Anderson had his cubicle with a, uh, you know, normal Windows 95 computer and, uh, yeah. and the security. So this guy really had to go out of his way to do this. I mean, this guy oh, is like an ultra geek. If, if, you bet, want, if you want to look at it literally. <laughs> I bet like 90% of a private detective's job these days is just going through someone's Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> he likes all... this chick. I'll go and look at her house. Yep, he's having an affair. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're yeah. We're all detectives now, I guess. <laughs> oh, don't get me started on citizen journalism and citizen detectives. <laughs> That's a popular theme in the older uh, QAnon and that. <laughs> um let's see. I just wrote that I, I in my past I dated multiple girls who had a special fear of eye terror. So <laughs> this has has some crazy eye stuff, I guess. <laughs> uh, this one and also uh, a couple of the previous ones, they're all done by the same like group of animators who did some stuff like Samurai Champloo and just various cool 90s animes. Um, and even if it is a little boring, this is definitely cool. Mm. Yeah, I, I've watched plenty of film noir so i i wasn't particularly bored by it i was honestly i was more bored by beyond <laughs> despite the cool look of it so right but you've watched a lot more anime than me and i've watched more film noir so i guess it would make yeah. sense it would land well, that and way. like you said there's always that little bit in my head just going like i think this is someone involved in this definitely worked on digimon <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i've only seen one digimon and i got the same idea so yeah so i think that's telling I, that, so the director of that one that i showed you um i think he's like mamoru hasoda he's done like really big really popular beloved anime um and our colleague rob is huge fan of this director but he hates that every time i bring him up i'm like oh yeah the digimon director because <laughs> that's the <laughs> only thing of his i've seen <laughs> Well, same here then. <laughs> oh, he, he, he also did Summer Wars. Oh, okay. I've seen that. But you haven't yeah. yet. Okay. But that that basically just is um, our war game remade without Digimon in it. So. Right. Is it um, the Digimon episode with um, like where Ty goes back to uh, Yeah, so he did the, he did the prelude before the series. Yeah. He did that episode and then he did the movie at the end of the series. So he just did all the best stuff. Oh, yeah, I was about to say most memorable episode of the season. He Absolutely. was the ringer. Um, yeah. Let's let's move on to the last one, which is matriculated. matriculated. It's about a team of people in the real world who capture machines and brainwash them into wanting to protect humans. Uh, now, this one is a Korean animation. And the director, Peter Chung, started his career doing animation and backgrounds and stuff on the 80s Transformers cartoon. Hmm. And you can't really see it in the characters. The characters just look like 90s comic book characters. 
but the the landscapes look exactly like scenes on like Cybertron and the Junk Planet and stuff in the '86 movie. Okay, I just like all the time because their version, their their personal matrix that they're using to. Oh, I guess we should say that they are trying to. They convince, brainwash. Yeah, brainwash. Well, eh. well, kind of brainwash. They, they do yeah, say they're they trying to convince them. Yeah, but then she's like, uh, you say convince, you mean very much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The point is they're not necessarily reprogramming them in the no, they, sense of the word, I guess. They let them into like a little matrix where they have fun and frolic. And then they realize, oh, these guys are my friends. I'm going to protect them, basically. Well, it made me think of the uh, space where you meet the DMT uh, machine elves. If you're on a DMT trip. I see. People say they're blasted into a space with, you know, like prismatic, like fourth dimensional colors or something and talk to these uh, weird creatures that that's reported by many different people. But uh, from the descriptions, I, I really felt like this this frolic land kind of had that vibe, which I don't know if that was what they're going for or not. But uh, yeah, this is this is one of those moments where Matt, the rock and roll hippie, is realizing that he's talking to Luke and Jay the video game playing geeks who've maybe done a little bit of weed once. <laughs> no, no, you need, you need an IV injection. Not. <laughs> you need an IV injection to go meet the machine elves. But uh, <laughs> this is... I get uh, high on life. Yeah. Well, I did on uh, my other podcast, I talked to the, the doctor who actually did these experiments in the early 90s where you'd have people come in they do like different doses mobile trips and yeah most of them reported stuff like this so it's it pretty pretty wild i mean you know at a university done you know um with proper uh procedure so it's not yeah. it's not 100 whack uh, it is whack of course but uh it, it's it's reality whack in some way yeah i did um i like this one because it's it's a bit different than most of the others. It's not really about the Matrix. It's about the real world and the war with the machines. Like, if you told me this was set in the Terminator universe, I'd believe you. Mm. Um, yeah. And it just, it gave us some really cool robot designs, some fun. It really reminded me of the 90s X-Men, actually, the character and the way she was, like, dodging them and stuff. Yeah, despite my... Um relatively deep x-wing knowledge uh that is my my blind spot i just haven't seen much of that cartoon <laughs> but you you definitely remember the 90s comic books high cheekbones long faces skinny actually right? getting back to world record that's where i thought of that that's where i thought of uh, okay rob leefield like who doesn't understand how bodies work <laughs> that's exactly what i'm thinking of is rob leefield because yeah she was just ridiculously lanky yeah and then I, the um the doctor guy had like this joker smile right so yeah okay i can see that i guess now that you know once you've watched like eight different styles of animation um they kind of i, I was distracted by their matrix land just like the yeah. robot was so yeah <laughs> i i now i i'm happier with spider legs on these robots than snake legs um hmm. luke how about you uh i like that they could switch between the two that was fun yeah I just but, you say yeah. you don't like look, spiders, so. Oh yeah, they, they, this is nowhere near a real spider. It doesn't bother me. Okay. <laughs> oh, I really I like guess... the closing shot of uh, of this one, the kind of parallel to how it opened with the the, the main character kind of looking out on the beach, mm. and then you have the robot looking out on the beach once all the humans are dead. Um, yeah. And uh, a very very sad kind of somber ending 
to the piece, which um, I think kind of sums up a lot of the a lot of the Animatrix in general. It's 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 a very very somber affair. <laughs> the whole the whole collection. I wonder I just, if that's deliberate or just because of the nature of the thing that it all comes in between the films where the important events happen. None of these stories could resolve anything. Mm. So they all had to end a little bit like somber downer endings because it's not like the character in this could suddenly win the war. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess that's why the second Renaissance uh, stands out so much as the best. Because that right, is integral to the story. Yeah, it's its own it's its own complete story. It's just because it's the prequel. Whereas Although the, these others are just total side stories. And at the I I remember at the time, yeah, people not really liking the second Renaissance because it really? was so out there. Well, yeah, for, like you said, you saw a relatively tight, fun action movie, The Matrix, and now you're being told like the humans are shitheads, right? So I guess I just was more primed than most to accept that the humans are shitheads. Because I really like robots, <laughs> right? Because we're like we want we want to be on Neo's side. I mean, that's part of, we, we were talking about where it gets so muddy. You because you can't actually just go and eliminate all the machines, right? So yeah. people, that's what they were expecting to see in the sequels. Mm. Like Neo, you know, becomes Superman, rips all the machines apart, and then rips the Matrix apart, which is not right. what we got. It was not what we should have got. So I think so. Yeah, I guess I'm just because I was at an age where I wasn't maybe speculating yet. I just accepted the three films as we got them. And to me, it seems wild that anyone could have expected anything different. Yeah. But yeah, I, now, when you and Mark talk about it, it's like, yeah, back in the 2000s, we were like, yeah, the good guys are just going to win with Kung Fu and violence. I'm like, I guess that is what normies would have thought. But yeah, that's not where my head was ever at. <laughs> so I guess we'll, we'll start wrapping up. But how does this hold up now? Um, Probably I, better I think- than ever. <laughs> Yeah, it, like we said, it's definitely a plus over something like uh, Star Wars Visions. I mean, there are attempts to do things here. They're hit or miss. I mean, some of them aren't that great. <laughs> well, though, I think the reason this worked is because the Wachowskis were super into anime. So they probably went and deliberately sought out like cool directors they knew would make cool shit. Yeah. Whereas Star Wars Visions feels like a corporate people were like, Oh, the kids are into the animes. Let's put some Star Wars in some animes. <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like Beyond is, I would say, the least of them. But yeah, you get Samurais and it has a cool style look to it still. So program is the samurai one. Which one? Program. Oh, program, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Well, there um, I just spit out well, I guess beyond the program or... might have been my favorite, but again, just because it's got dumb samurai <laughs> shit. So, so anime fight, yeah, yeah. To the surprise of no one, I like seeing samurai sword fights. <laughs> I, th- I think the the collection works so well as a whole is because if you look at the first Matrix film, which, which this I mean, correct me if I'm wrong about in terms of like releases, but this came out obviously around the time of the second film or before the second yeah, film? Yeah, I think it it was more it, or less this came out on disc as the second film hit. That's cool. Yeah, so, Maybe so, there was so a week or a month in it. If, if you look at the, the, the first Matrix film, like in terms of like the fight scenes and the costumes and everything there, it is so out there. It, a leap to, to a medium like an anime um, isn't a massive leap. It, it's, it's something that, that, that it feels almost quite natural. In a lot of ways, and uh, I I really enjoyed the, the 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 whole collection. Like like you were saying there, Matt, some of it doesn't land 
particularly well, but I didn't have a bad time watching the the, the Animatrix through. I will say um, we go on to Revolutions and they're basically remaking Dragon Ball in that film. So (laughs) as as a total collection, then Animatrix just fits in perfectly. Mm -hmm. Like I don't think any other franchise has ever so perfectly been... It's a live-action franchise, but video games and anime make perfect sense because the film is so clearly inspired by those things. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I do hope that the new one actually manages to deepen some of this one, you know? Yeah. So, that I mean, that's I think that's everyone's hope for the fourth one. So, we'll see. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention back when we were talking about the second Renaissance. It uses a bunch of, like, Buddhist imagery. And as we've spent more time talking especially like with um von on our on episodes of this podcast and i'm realizing how like the concept of entering like avatars and stuff yeah buddhist imagery makes perfect sense for a matrix this this was your sexy uh sexy akihabara buddhist god though hindu god whatever (laughs) (laughs) but it is full of like mandalas and stuff and it's yeah okay now i get why they did that whereas i think back in 2000s i was like What's all this weird Indian shit? That's why I own my mind machine where I can put on the LED glasses and play binaural beats and, and see them in my mind. I still need to hook you up with a mind machine sometimes. You have been That's... threatening to hook me up with your mind machine for a while, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to do that. Um, <laughs> I, I for guess the listeners we'll... at home and for Jay, the <laughs> mind machine is this weird thing that owns where it just plays music in your ears and lights in your eyes and it's meant to send you on some sort of trip. So... <laughs> well yeah but you don't come out traumatized and then able to take action <laughs> i can't confirm yet whether i will come out traumatized or not watch this space <laughs> um so i guess uh, i'll leave it to you guys to, to, to plug away that sounds kind of horrible when i say it that way uh, if you've enjoyed this podcast you can find it on twitter at mlsfs pod we're also on facebook youtube apple podcast spotify just search for Matt and Luke Sci-Fi Sanctuary. If you want to hear other podcasts by me and Matt and Jay, then go to patreon.com slash podcastiopodcastius. There you can check out uh, Matt's podcast, Oral Hygiene, or Time Enough Podcast, a podcast about the Twilight Zone. You can hear me and Jay talking about Monster Hunter Monsters on Monster Mash. Um, and you can hear me talking alone about Pokemon on Luke Loves Pokemon. And if you're into Pokemon and you're into my voice, then why not join me for some streams of Pokemon Shining Pearl on twitch.tv slash LukeLuzzBKMN from 8pm on Friday and Saturday nights, UK time. Yeah, I was about to say, you're working then. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jay, do you have anything else going on online that you want to plug? No. <laughs> wow. Got a mic for I'm, it. I'm, I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm here for good times. Um, yeah, if you um if you enjoyed hearing my voice, like Luke said, I'm on Monster Mash. Um, I was gonna say every week, but that's not true because sometimes uh, I sleep in and miss an episode. I'm there most weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't so, yeah, managed that quite there. yet on our end, but I'm always worried I'm going to. I did. I woke up before my alarm. I guess that's cool. I, I woke up before my alarm today and then kind of drifted back to sleep and then woke up like two minutes later than I was meant to be here. Ah, uh, that's the <laughs> danger. Yes. Okay. You almost did it then. Yeah. Well, uh, I set multiple alarms because I know what I'm like. 
Okay, how do we send people out today? Because I haven't a clue. Am I putting you on the spot? Yeah, I forgot to think of one. Maybe this is... Maybe, See ya. Okay. Spider-Man 3?